Dotnet Rocks episode 703 with guest Greg Philpot. Recorded live Thursday, September 8th, 2011. This episode is brought to you by Telerik and by Franklin's.net, training developers to work smarter. And now offering video training on Silverlight 4 with Billy Hollis and SharePoint 2010 with Sahil Malik. Order online now at franklins.net. And now here are Carl and Richard. Thank you very much and welcome back to .NET Rocks. It's Carl, it's Richard, and Richard's going to talk fast because he has to pee. I like the sense of urgency that urination demand gives to my voice. That's only what on, it is. Only on .NET Rocks. Only on .NET Rocks. You get insights into recording technique. <laughs> I'm holding it in. That's the producer's job. All right. So uh, just so we don't waste your time, uh, let's get right into Better Know Framework. Awesome. All right. What do you got? This is going to be a good one. So like this? HTML5 tags is what I've been on to lately. Yes, and you have. Yeah, and uh, this is one that is actually supported in all browsers. Yay. However, it's goddamn confusing. <laughs> <laughs> the section tag. Uh-oh. Section. Hmm. Is, uh, is, uh, defines a section in a document. Okay. And my, so what does it actually do? My question is, why? Nice. What about a div? Yeah. You know? I don't know. So I went looking. Uh, when should I use this? And there's a great website, when to use the HTML5 section element. Is it really? On impressivewebs.com. I love it. It's a blog. Uh, Louis Lazarus, and this is from January 12, 2011. And he goes on to quote the spec. And the spec says, the section element represents a generic section of a document or application. A section in this context is a thematic grouping of content, typically with a heading. And he says, so immediately you might think that section could be used to hold a blog post or an individual comment right. in a blog post. But wait a minute, the spec goes on. Okay. Authors are encouraged to use the article element instead of the section element when it would make sense to syndicate the contents of the element. So that rules out blog posts, blog articles, newsfeed content, and other uh, syndicated content. What does right. that leave with us? Further, the spec says, examples of sections would be chapters, the various tabbed pages in a tabbed dialog box, or the numbered sections of a thesis. A website's homepage could be split into sections for an introduction, news item, and contact information. Right. So then he has a problem with the recommendation for the news item example, which seems to make more sense for article. But maybe... Uh, maybe article would go within a section. Do you know what I mean? Um, finally, there's a warning given in the spec. The section element is not a generic container element. When an element is needed for styling purposes or as a convenience for scripting, authors are encouraged to use the div element instead. A general rule is that the section element is appropriate only if the element's contents would be listed explicitly in the document's outline. Uh, so... I still have no idea when it should be used or when not to use it. So good luck with that, folks. <laughs> <laughs> have at it. <laughs> there you go. How useful is that? Yeah. I don't know. What do I know? Right. So who's talking to us, Richard? I got a message off of show 688. So that, if you recall, is the Space Out show. 
Oh, yeah. You remember. I do. So Great much fun, show. we had to do another. Yep. And uh, this is from Lance Hilliard, and here's what he said. Carl, Richard, I really enjoyed this show. There's only one problem, but I'll get to that in a moment. Space exploration and exploitation remains our most profound opportunity to explore new frontiers and pursue unprecedented research. The near future you two discussed will offer several great opportunities in some ways we can't yet appreciate. Heavens Above is too cool. Yeah. After using it for many years to share ISS sightings, my first Android dev spike built and browsed to various sections of the site personalized for the handset's latitude and longitude, which is cool. I'd love to hear more discussions around topics that you guys find interesting. Having listened to .NET Rocks for years, I've gathered it's successful not only because of the audience's topical interest, but also because of its participants are passionate about learning and discussion, and that passion can and will follow to any topic who you two find interesting. The show's one problem, it wasn't live. It's oh, been over wow. a year, guys. That live weekend last year was a lot of fun. I'm hoping another one is on the way soon. Maybe a geek show would be a great idea to do live. Yeah, you know, if we were going to start doing just one, one-offs, one still remote, but live streaming, like a Friday afternoon show, mm-hmm. we do the geek shows of that. So, yeah, Lance got my brain going now. That's, All right. that's clever. I think that's worth a mug. That's a good suggestion, Lance. Absolutely. Uh, I'll get a mug off to you. And if you've got suggestions for us about shows or things we could do differently, like doing more, I don't know if we're going to do another live weekend anytime soon, but it's certainly a consideration. Uh, write a comment on, on the .NET Rocks site at the show you like the most, .netrocks.com, and we'll send you a mug. Absolutely. Uh, our guest today is Greg Philpot. Greg is a development manager and Dynamics AX developer working for Maxima as part of the team responsible for Maxcel. That's M-A-X-C-E-L, the construction solution powered by Microsoft Dynamics AX. Prior to working on the Microsoft technology stack, Greg worked in the Unix domain as a C and Java programmer. Welcome, Greg. Hi, Carl. Thanks for having me. Hi, Richard. X++. Yeah, I, I'm calling it the most popular language you've never heard of. <laughs> <laughs> Tell us all about it. Okay, well, um, well, it's, yeah, it's quite a hot topic now. Well, well, today is the the official launch of the the latest version of AX, and X plus plus is the programming language inside AX. So, so maybe we, sh- we should start with what yeah. Dynamics AX really is. Is it an accounting package? Yes, it's it's an ERP system, um, one of the Microsoft Dynamics suite of products. Right. Um, and I don't think Microsoft's helped themselves by taking a half a dozen different pieces of software and calling them all Dynamics. I'd just like to say <laughs> for the record. Because <laughs> that's what they did, right? This was an acquired product. Yeah. That's that's right, yeah. It was acquired uh, several years ago um, from... Uh, I think the vision, they, they got two products um, as part of the acquisition, and it joined the family of CRM, Great Plains, and I think Solomon's the other one. Yeah. Um, so why do we need a new programming language? Well, what, what it is, is it's, it's, it's really, it, it's, the, it's a domain-specific language. Okay. And um, the original thoughts behind the, the design team um, who, who responsible for AX was that um, 
they th- th- this was you know this is going back to ninety eight um, they their thoughts were that that they needed a language for this, and they looked out there, they saw Java, um, but what they wanted was something that was going to um, fit well for programming an ERP system, that yeah. domain, something that had good um, integration to data, um, a good data access object layer, um, and also um, took away a lot of complexity from the developer who's really interested in business apps, mm. um, not so much getting bogged down in um, lower-level application specifics. So, so what you've got is X plus plus is the domain specific language, and it's got this. Um, it's got really. It's it's got special syntax for being able to access the data, um, similar to SQL. Yeah. Really, a, a first class citizen of the the language. Right. So we're not fooling around with ADO objects and all that kind of stuff. The data is right in the language. It's almost like, and I'm looking at it, and this is how I know. Uh, is it almost like? Having a combination of SQL, you know, T SQL and C plus plus or C sharp in the same language, not having to have that intermediate layer. Yeah, that's that's right, Carl. It's um, you, you'll you'll write it. You'll write um, you know, you'll you'll be writing your normal syntax in a method, um, and then you'll just um, when you you'll, you'll have a, an instance of the table that you 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 want to um, access the data for. And you'll just drop into part of the syn- as part of the syntax. Select um, it could be cus table um, and where, and you'll give it the clause, and, and straight away you've got you've got the data um, from the table to to deal with as you as you please. Mm. Oh no, it's Fox Pro. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, did being, I say that out loud. We're being totally flipped. It's only because we're ignorant that we jest. You know, we're no, laughing at ourselves. It- I I not even say that in a negative way, really, because it really is. This is uh, like a fourth or fifth generation language that combines data manipulation and, with its syntax. That that is Fox Pro. Same same model, ba- same basic concept, and and you know the strength of that was it must be a hell of a fast to build things, right? Yeah, it, it's it is fast. Just to if you've got a. a if you need to display um, a field in a table, um, a, a typical thing in NAXX plus plus is a display method for a, a grid on a form. Um, you know, you just you just drop straight into um, into this select statement and pull out the the field you want. And no hesitation. Now, I've also heard the term MorphX. What's the relationship between that and X plus plus? So MorphX is what we call the development environment. When you're oh. writing X plus plus. Okay, so this is the um, equivalent of Visual Studio, essentially. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Oh, and okay. So that bears the question: Is this a .NET based language? As of the latest version, um, 2012, um, it is X plus plus was is the latest language to 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 join um, the CLR the oh. family of languages that run on the CLR. Okay, so earlier versions were not, but they've actually morphed it into a .NET language. Yeah, that's right. The the, the team is at Microsoft's done a, a great job. Um, I didn't see it coming five years ago. Um, no, that's that's unbelievable. I I didn't even think that'd be possible. Hmm. Well done. So does that mean now we could develop in Studio? Now you've got quite a, lot, a few decisions when you when you come to um, a typical um, programming task. You've got to choose um, 
what what you're going to be programming in. So you you can now program in Visual Studio um, in in C sharp um, as well. Oh, sorry, I'm I'm jumping the gun really. Sorry, I, I, um, but yeah, if we just go back to it running on the CLR, I, I should point out there that there's there are there's certain cases where it, it will run on the CLR. Um, it's not it's not been a complete migration. Okay. So that so, now it's starting so, to feel like the office scenario where I've got a bunch of code that doesn't run in managed and I have a bridge to managed code. Yeah, so so we we can move on to talking about interrupt, but yeah, you've you you can call .NET code from um, X plus plus, right? And in in .NET you can also call X plus plus code. Okay, I, I mean I don't want to move on yet. I'm just trying to get a feel for where we're at. That that the this is and this is actually brand new, right? Just the latest version brought .NET into the equation. That's it. Well, previous versions did have certain levels of interrupt. You you could you could um, in 2009 you could um, refer you can reference system, you can reference .NET assemblies and you can call .NET classes in X plus plus. So, but but what what the jump is here? Is that now you can code um, now you can code C sharp that accesses the business logic in AX. Okay, that's very cool in Visual yeah. Studio, and uh, it's got some good performance implications for AX. There's because um, because in it, it previous versions we um, the garbage collection it, it it was rolled by the the compiler team. Um, and in certain scenarios, performance wasn't so good. Um, hmm. And 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 what 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 they've what you can now do is in scenarios you can um, if you've got a task that you want to run as a batch job on the server, you can you can it, you you don't have the choice now. Any of those batch jobs that run on the server, they run on the CLR, and okay. you can get magnitude performance benefits from from running it in that way. Because you, because of the, the the improved platform, the garbage collection that comes with the .NET platform. Hmm. Yeah, and it, you know, of course, we don't talk about .NET being the more performance solution, but it's been a long time since we've really worked in anything else. Yeah. Certainly, when it comes to garbage collection, you can't beat it. Yeah. This portion of .NET Rocks is brought to you by Telerik JustCode. If you're like me, you're probably using some productivity add-on in Visual Studio to check, refactor, and test your code. But how'd you like to get a complete list of your solution's errors on the fly as you type, and not just for the opened files? The new kit on the block, JustCode, does just that for all supported .NET languages as well as JavaScript. It's like having a compiler running all the time, only that JustCode is faster and requires less CPU time. One area where just code is definitely better is performance. The tool provides the fastest code analysis and better performance without slowing down Visual Studio. Another reason to try it is JavaScript support. It'll help you read, navigate, and refactor your JavaScript code better than you've ever imagined. Learn more about the features just code offers and download a trial at telerik.com slash just code. And don't forget to thank them for supporting .NET Rocks. So, but it, I mean, I'm looking at some of the code samples and things out there for X++, and this, to a C-sharp person, wouldn't seem all that intimidating anyway. This syntax doesn't seem all that different. 
Yeah, it's it's of the same family. There's, I mean, there, there is um, that there are some important um, differences between the two, mm-hmm. but in general, it's it's from the curly brace family of OO languages, and yeah. You, Sometimes you can look at methods and, and, and stop yourself and say, am I looking at C-sharp code or am I looking at X++ code? Yeah, public static void, you know, it's not that <laughs> different. Yeah. <laughs> what else is there in uh, X++ that's unique to X++ besides the integrated data access? Is there also, um, you know, better financial, uh, um, sort of built-in financial functions or anything like that? Yeah, well, I mean, the, imp- the important point that your question raises there is um, when you're building a business app in AX, you're really interested in things like the chart of accounts, the mm. vendors, um, it, inventory. So what, before you get to X++, what you've got in AX is you've got what we call model-driven development. Before you start writing code, mm. um, what AX quite powerfully allows you to do is change the metadata of um, of certain um, of key ERP components. So, so what you've got is in Morphex, um, you've got something called the AOT, and in there is all the metadata for um, the, system, the business system. And you've got in there, you've got um, metadata for all the tables. Mm-hmm. So things like your customer table. You supply your vendor table, you, you stock your, your inventory table. Um, they're all types underneath the AOT. And the way they're built is you'll, um, in Morphex, using just your mouse, you'll, you'll model what the customer is going to be like. Um, each field on that is, is a type in itself. You've mm-hmm. got um, extended data types um, or enums, which, again, you model. So you'll define things like the length of the field, what display length you want it to show in when it's um, accessed via the client, any label and help text. And then what you'll do is you'll drag that to the table and you'll build your tables in this, this model-driven development way. And so what you can do in X++ as well is you'll, you'll reference those types directly and you'll be using your, your customer tables, your supplier tables, in in code, hmm. and it, and I think the implication you're saying here is that an awful lot of the changes that you might want to make to AX, you don't actually need to write a lot of code for. It's just about tweaking models, adding some fields, that sort of thing. That's exactly right, Richard. Um, it's it's very powerful. You can, um, I mean, give, I'll give you a typical task. If you if you want to display, if you want a, a form that displays customer data in the rich client. And you also want it to to display that in um, in the web client. Mm-hmm. You can you can build that from types, tables, query, um, all in this modeling environment without writing a single line of code. Right. Yeah, that sounds great. Can I use that in my apps? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm thinking. Why do I have to have dynamics to get a language like this? It sounds like you know. You know, when I, when I think about, you know, hand-rolling ADO.net code and all that kind of stuff and, you know, the difference in, in, difference between that and just dropping into a select statement or an update statement in a while loop, you know, or something like that. It's like, uh, amazing. 
Yeah, so much. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's, it's simple. But it, I, and it also feels like the .NET framework in the sense that, you know, the language is the easy part. Understanding the framework is the hard part. Mm. But the, you know, I think your real implication there about understanding the models is this is actually the work. Like, in terms of developing your skills to work in this, you've got to know what these models can do for you and how you can change them and, and what's actually in there. That's right, Richard. You'll find developers will, be, will specialize in certain modules, um, trade and logistics, for example. Um, and it's it's that framework knowledge that's that coupled with with your your coding skills that's very important. Wow! And how comprehensive is the module set of Dynamics AX? I haven't even looked. I just think you know G L A R A P payroll. Thanks for playing. Yeah, it's you've probably got out of the box. You've got probably fifteen upwards modules. Wow! Um, in the base solution, and then through the partner ecosystem. You've got all these extra verticals on top um, for probably most verticals that, that you could probably think of. You know, this also begs the question then, how often are you actually going to run into something that doesn't already exist? You guys are building a module specifically for the construction industry? That's right, yeah. Okay, so I mean, if I'm in construction, I should be able to buy that alongside AX and just get to work. Exactly, yeah. What sort of customizations are people still needing to do? Well, you also get global, um, you, you get um, country-specific verticals as well. Right, um, right. But, and and, and we're, we're obviously competing with um, a few other vendors that, that, that have a construction vertical. Um, but, yeah, we've also got a facilities management module as well mm -hmm. as, as payroll. And, and payroll is, um, is, is really, because of the government legislation, it's quite specific to the UK um, at the moment. So that's... That's something where you'll you'll probably get um, ISVs in um, different countries that have a payroll system. Yeah, payroll so crazy complex from one country to the next country, and even jurisdictionally, you know, different provinces, different states, they all have different rules for payroll. Yeah, I, I don't envy that effort that trying to make all those things work. So I got a question. I'm interested in now that X plus plus is a uh, a full-blown CLR language. I know that Link has been used, or I've seen uh, on the web anyway, that Link has been used somehow in uh, Dynamics AX for reporting. How does Link tie in with this, you know, built-in sort of data collection manipulation syntax in the language itself? Are they two separate things, or does... X++ rely on Link under the covers in the CLR version. Okay, as far as I know, it, it doesn't rely on, on Link um, in the X++ version. Um, kind of, you, you mentioned Link um, being used in, in reporting services. That's, that's one, one use for it. Um, the, the, other, the other option, I think, is to... Um, one of the areas that's been improved a lot in this latest version is services. And one of the options you've got is to, in AX, when you model a query on tables, um, what you can do to that query is you can um, expose that as a service. And one of the things you can do is you can, you can expose it to .NET as an ADO.NET data set. So that's, that's when you could use link on, on that in, in, in C-sharp code. Wow. I mean, in the end, all this data is stored in SQL Server anyway. You could just query it directly if you wanted to, right? You could do, but 
the main problem that jumps to mind there would be um, AX has got um, very um, tight security model. Mm-hmm. And if you were to access it directly from the SQL database, you'd be circumventing that. So it, it wouldn't be press practice to do that. Oh, okay. So you, you could tell me. You could do that, but that would be dumb. <laughs> I, I'm okay with that. Yeah, we're you know? okay with that. It's fair. <laughs> you know, there's all this great infrastructure built in front of it. Why wouldn't you use it? Right. Um, what about reporting? Is That's always a, a huge requirement in ERP. How is that done? Tell me it's not crystal. It's not crystal. <laughs> Thank you. I feel better now. <laughs> it's, it's done using SSRS. Uh, reporting services. Yep. Yeah. And uh, in previous versions, um, AX had its own um, X++ report designer, um, which would be a, another of these modeled nodes under the AOT, um, where you could drag your tables and, and model it that way. Mm-hmm. Um, but they started transitioning towards the... Um, reporting services model um and and that's that's now where we are today you can only do reports in SS, in in reporting services no there are worse problems but okay it just sort of also means that the reporting kind of stands alone right it's not sort of deeply integrated in the app well what what you've got in visual studio is you will have a special dynamics ax reporting project when you build one of these right and and if you need to to um to do some customization um, in AX for, for this SQL report, you can do a, a data provider in AX hmm. for the report, and that allows you to, to use X++ to customize the business logic behind the report. And I can output to any format. I mean, SSRS, we have all that capability, web and, and paper, and it's not a big deal. Yeah, absolutely. Does X++ run on Azure? It doesn't. It doesn't um, at this moment. <laughs> Okay. I was watching the um, virtual launch, and mm-hmm. and I think they alluded to that being something that might come in the next version of AX. Well, I'm looking at how well they migrated CRM to Azure to the point where pretty much you don't want to own CR Microsoft CRM without buying the cloud version. It gives me hope. Yeah. Um, maybe we should paint a scenario, sort of the typical thing that someone might do to do programming in X plus plus, some kind of customization. What do you typically see? Is it just building standalone modules or something smaller? What we've done at, at Maxima is we've built a, a set of verticals, so a whole new modules built onto AX. But but what you, what you find with indivi- you, you kind of get a mixture of developments. You get you get small customizations. Um, you you get requests for new new programs um, and also integrations. That's quite a common scenario. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and one reason people would choose Microsoft Dynamics AX over competing ERP is, I think, because of its strong options for application integrations. Right. So, so what? I mean, what a, a typical integration scenario? I, I mean, they showed one on the um, on the 2012 um, launch, um, where w- what you've got is um, a mobile device, um, and in AX you've got um, an expense management routine where mm-hmm. employees can log on to AX over the web, um, enter their expenses, attach a receipt, and then that's submitted to the accounting package and the accounts, any general ledger accounts, any chart of accounts are updated. Now, what um, an integration scenario for that is a, a mobile device integration. 
right. and um, where you'll, you'll take the picture on your phone of the receipt um, as part of logging the expense through your mobile device and kind of behind the scenes you might that might connect up to the cloud um, and via WCF connect to AX. And are there that, actual that, WCF connectors for AX, or is that something you'd build on the back end as well? No, there's connectors as part of the the, the platform, and right. you've got you'll have a there's the application object server is itself a an, a WCF connector, nice. but you've also got got um, a WCF service through IIS as well for over HTTP. Yeah, so all that's exposed anyway. So I, I just thinking in terms of I'm building some kind of client app. I mean, an expense is an, an interesting one. Just looking up inventory or making short orders or something like that off of a phone and being able to just call back directly to the ERP system rather than doing some intermediary layer. And all that totally feasible. I could run this off my iPad. Yeah, absolutely. That's that's definitely feasible. And I'm thinking, you know, in your project, in a construction project like little tablets are exactly what you want on the construction site rather than hauling around big machines or even phones. I, I suddenly get this vision as a guy who did a major reservation recently of doing deficiencies in a building with a with a, a smartphone. You take a photo of the deficiency, you write it up, and it right feeds straight into the system. Yep, that's that's a, an application scenario supported by the by, by AX um, mm-hmm. with and especially with this new version with with the service framework. Um, the, so the other types of applications that um, typical applications you've, you've got it would be um, a customization to an existing program in AX. Um, what what you might find is that certain customers, um, maybe certain types of data is um, more important to them. If you if you look at a sales order, maybe for for a particular customer, they've um, They've got special interest when you when you raise an item of stock that it it's got to be um, let's say it's it's got to be from a particular warehouse and what you can um, that that would be a, a kind of a typical application scenario where you'd you'd want to hook into the the validation right you know before it writes away that that stock that you're going to that inventory that you're going to add to your sales order um, check that that it's valid yeah, you almost build a like a business rule module that way too, to sort of say, Hey, here's how I want to affect the workflow around where those orders come out of. Yeah, we do. We do have workflow, um, in AX. It uses windows workflow, um, version four. So if you're modeling business processes, you can do that with workflow and that, that integrates with, Mm -hmm. with AX X plus plus. So the, again, back to no programming scenario. Just use the workflow engine to do that. So yeah, there'll be definitely scenarios where you you can use the workflow engine, um, mm-hmm. and you don't need to write a line of code. Hmm. Cool. Yeah, it's funny how many times we try and encourage ourselves not to write a line of code. That's right. We're addicted to writing code. <laughs> <laughs> we have a problem. Uh, I, I see in your notes that uh, under the roadmap. Um, that we're five years away or greater than five years away from X plus plus transitioning to a quote unquote first class dot net language. If it's running on the CLR and it's running in visual studio, what makes it not a dot uh, a first class dot net language? 
Yeah, so what, what I kind of meant by that was that there's only certain scenarios at the moment where it will get, it will run on the CLR. And, and those, those scenarios are when you're, so, so when you're running as a service, it's running on the CLR. When you're running as, as a batch, it's, it's running on the CLR. Maybe what we'll, we'll see is that it will always run on the CLR. And probably the, the, the thing that might be stopping it from happening is the tier awareness, which is another feature of X++. I mentioned the, the type data, um, the, the SQL data that you could write in, in AX. Yeah. In the syntax of the language, you can, you can flag a method as running on the server or running as on the client. And the, the way you can code that is you can switch the context. So if you, you're on the client and you've got, you know you're going to be doing a lot of work, you can push that work to the server um, quite easily. And that's, that's something that when you're writing, um, when you're in the managed code scenario, you've got to be aware of because you can't, you can't do that pushing from the, the client to the server or the other way. So, so it's not like I could open Visual Studio, create a, a, a new class library project in X++, compile that as a, an assembly, and then deploy that in an ASP.NET app. I, I, yeah, I don't, I don't think you'd be able to do that. Um, if you, well, if you're talking about ASP.NET, that's kind of a, takes us on to kind of the, the subject of um, how AX does web clients, and that's through the enterprise portal, which uses ASP.NET. Okay. And in ASP.NET, I mean, you're writing C-sharp code that, that is accessing AXX++ classes. So, so that, that's somewhere where you can, you can do that. Um, it's just your code is running on the server. This portion of .NET Rocks is brought to you by Xamarin. Are you a .NET developer looking to build native apps for iPhone, iPad, and Android platforms? Well, look no further, because Xamarin has brought the .NET platform to iOS and Android. With MonoTouch and Mono for Android, you get all the power of the native platform, including the native UI toolkits and thousands of native APIs, and still develop with the elegance of C-sharp and the versatility of the .NET base class library. One of the most powerful features of MonoTouch and Mono for Android is that you can utilize existing C-sharp code in third-party libraries written in C or C++ for each platform, or even Objective-C if you're writing iOS apps. And just as awesome, you can try them both for free. So join thousands of other .NET developers and head over to xamarin.com slash .NET rocks. That's X-A-M-A-R-I-N dot com slash D-O-T-N-E-T-R-O-C-K-S to receive 15% off your purchase and start developing apps for iOS and Android using C-Sharp and .NET. I see. So it's really, really we're talking about the interop scenario when we're talking about integrating with, uh, with X++ and AX. Yes. Are there any particular challenges around uh, the interop? Where does it break? Is there data type mismatches, anything like that? Yeah, there, there's a few things to be aware of. So, so what you've got is you'll have, um, you've, you've got to be wary of the marshalling of um, your types in X++ to .NET. So um, for, for, primitives you'll, for primitive types, you'll have the, the implicit marshalling. And is, that's just a time concern? It takes a while to do marshalling? 
that's not been raised as a, as something that needs, that, that I'd need to be, be aware of. But I think 2012 is quite new. Okay. And um, if something, if there was a problem in that area, I think Microsoft would, would tell us quite quickly and we'd, we'd have some way, but not to my knowledge. The other thing you've got to be aware of is that X++ will pass its parameters by value. Right. When you're calling methods. And what they've introduced is a new keyword so that you can pass by reference to, to interrupt to .NET. And what it will do is um, when it marshals... Um, more complex types between the languages it will um it will use proxies yeah because it can't you you mean a true by ref means you're accessing into managed memory space like you they have to cheat it's a it's sort of a fake by ref they've got two copies and they're keeping them synchronized yeah that's that that's how i think it's doing it. it it it'll be constructing an instance of that proxy based on on where you've come from so is there a demand, a growing demand for developers on this platform? Is that, do you, do you think, uh, C++, C Sharp and VBNet developers might find opportunities, uh, in X++? Yes, de- definitely, Carl. I, I mean, we, we, um, we were looking to, to take on some contractors earlier in the year, uh, my company, and, and we, we really struggled to find good experienced developers to, to, to join our um, to, to join the team for for for, for a while, um, so n- now's the ideal opportunity really for a developer who's um, in .NET would like the challenge of working on a complex system that is quite close to the, the .NET platform. It's got um, you know lots of lots of technologies that these .NET developers will know. Um, can be, that knowledge can be transferred to AX, and, and the missing piece is really the Getting the domain knowledge, um, knowing X plus plus, so that you can decide which which way you want to go for for certain developments. Mm. Um, so yeah, definitely, there's it, it, it's it, it it'll be an interesting choice for some developers. And and the thing is, right now, it kind of brings us on to something we haven't chatted about yet. Is right now you can if you don't know X plus plus, you can you can get on board with AX. Um, of course, there's ASP.NET. The, the web client for AX is completely written in ASP.NET. Hmm. So they'll be writing in, in stuff they know, but for, um, for customizations and integrations, what, what you can do is because um, we've now got eventing has been introduced into AX, X++, when you're doing these customizations, you can, you can hook into AX, X++ events um, in the managed code side. So if we, if we go back to our example where we, we want to add some, add some custom logic to um, the validation of a customer, and we want to do that afterwards, you can have your event handler. Uh, it, you have a pre-post event handler. You can have your post event handler on the, um, the customer validate, right? And in C Sharp, um, you write the code that, that does that, um, Carries out that business logic after after the validation, all in .NET, mm. accessing um, AX X plus plus classes tables by proxy. And can I say on a pre-event actually block uh, a method from executing? Actually, no, you won't be able to. <laughs> I mean, I'm thinking what you can do in the what you can do in the pre is you can um, you can access 
parameters that are going to get passed on to the next step, but you won't be able to, to block it from happening. That's but it, it, one of those parameters could be fail this transaction, or roll it back. Yep, yep, that's, that certainly could be a scenario. Yeah, and again, I'm thinking through like that warehouse scenario where actually, no, that's being held, or there's some reason it can't be sold. So even though we're running through the normal pipeline, I actually need to stop that transaction from happening, or don't take that particular product, find a different one. Yeah, well, I mean that that would be perfect to do in the post um, the post event because that's when you do have control over the return value of what validate right would be. Oh, I see. Okay. Yeah, so better to do that in post. I always think you want to get it early as possible, but you're saying better to do it towards the end when you can actually kill it then. Yeah, that's that's where I've seen it done. Okay, that's cool. I mean, I've seen lots of different layers on where we can insert our programming skills into it, but I, I also get a sense that it's worth learning the X++ part by itself uh, because that's sort of the most native environment. If you're going to learn this, you might as well go all in. Definitely. Yeah, definitely. I'd, I'd agree with that. Um, and, and chances are as well, there's going to be, there's going to be a scenario where you do need to look at existing code and you're going to need to change it. Right. Well, it also seems to me that it's logical. The only time I'd really want to do interop is I have a significant code base in .NET, in C Sharp, and I want to tie it to this ERP system effectively. That would be a good example of, of doing it. Um, but the, the, I, I'd say that there's, there's probably some scenarios where um, X++ might not have the um, the capability, the technological capability as, as, of .NET. Um, I mean, let's take the example where you're just reading raw XML. In, in, if you're doing that in X++, you're going to do it with um, DOM-based class system, and that can be quite quite verbose. Whereas you 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 might want to just take um, you might want to just use a, a better programming construct in in um, .NET to to carry out that task. And if you've got you've already got a C sharp developer, that that might be something that, that you you consider. It's just a question of how high the price of interop is for you to stick with the language you know rather than learn the new language and avoid the interop. Yeah, I mean you you, you wouldn't want to get into situations where I mean you. You, you want to take a consistent approach to, to how you're doing modifications. Um, so if you start using um, dot events in managed code, you always want to do it that way. Yeah. But you know where we ran into this? This is the old P-invoke crisis. I have all this code base or all this right. knowledge working in Calm, and I'm starting to work in .NET, and we know the interop play sucked. It was worth getting into .NET fully and retiring Calm as quickly hmm. as possible. Yep. Well, uh, is there anything else that we haven't talked about that you want to touch on here, Phil? Um, uh, yeah, I mean, one, one thing I was thinking um, of, of kind of just talking through was maybe um, we, we talked about how similar the two languages are. Mm. Um, and I just wanted to um, maybe raise if they, they look very similar. We've talked about how you could be looking at a method in one language and, and think it's the other. But I just wanted to maybe raise a few points about the syntax of the language, um, about a few things you, you might just need to be aware of if you, you jump into X++. Sure. Um, yeah, so, so yeah, the, the syntax is very similar. Um, what kind of the first thing you'll, you'll come to is when you're defining your variables, 
um, in X++, you've got to do that at the, the top of the method. You can't do it in line in your, in your code later. So kind of when you're, you're writing loops, that's, that's one thing you've got to bear in mind. Um, arrays, when you're dealing with arrays, um, it, like, <laughs> some languages do it differently. Uh, and unfortunately, X++ is one-based, and oh. whereas a lot of people are used to zero-based. Ouch. Which, which does, yeah. So. Surprise. Yeah, we had that same problem with Visual Basic, that uh, arrays were one-based by default. And so moving to VBNet, it wasn't that much of a deal-breaker, but it was one of those things where there was a lot of code that needed to be ported over. I imagine, you know, starting a, a, a Greenfield application would be a lot easier, but trying to port any kind of code over, that makes it much more difficult. Yeah, yeah, you've... It can, uh, yeah, it can catch you out if you're if you're new to the language. I, I just um, kind of talking about the, the similarities between the language. We've now got this new eventing system in X plus um, plus. Kind of the important thing to to bear in mind here is that you uh, in C sharp you can have a delegate as a type, but in X plus plus it's got to be a member of a class, a protected member, and then the after that. Um, talking about the object-oriented constructs um, when we're talking about classes, a few important things to bear in mind is that when you're creating a new class, it won't implicitly inherit from object. I, I did a very short blog post on that one, actually. Also, you've got, when, you, when you're inheriting from a class, you, there isn't support for overloading in X++. Oh, that'll bite you too, right? That's one of those things where if you're just used to counting on it, it's not, it's not going to work. Yeah. So, so you've got to bear that in mind, um, and you, you'll get a compile error though when when that happens. Um, but of course, you can override um, as, as you'd expect. Um, but but they're probably the main things in terms of the language that that um, you, you want to bear in mind. But what I'd, what I'd say to um, to people interested in jumping into X plus plus is to to get on to MSDN. Um, have a look at the Microsoft documentation. There's there's a whole section on there for comparing X plus plus to C sharp, and that lists lots and lots of the uh, quite well all of the differences on there. There's not so many, um, but there's there's a lot of information there of how to compare certain aspects of the language from X plus plus to C sharp, and that'd be quite a good start for anybody just interested in having a look at the differences and how similar they are. Okay, well, jump on MSDN, check it out. Also, we have links to your blog and to the Dynamics AX website uh, at Microsoft. Greg, thank you very much for joining us. Thanks very much for having me. It looks like a great language, and uh, if you're not into Dynamics, there could be a, a really good opportunity for you out there, listeners. Check it out. And until then, we'll see you next time on .NET Rocks. .NET Rocks is recorded and produced by Pwop Productions, providing professional audio, audio mastering, video, post-production, and podcasting services. Online at www.pwop.com. .NET Rocks is a production of Franklin's Net, training developers to work smarter and offering custom on-site classes in Microsoft development technology with expert developers online at www.franklins.net. 
For more .NET Rocks episodes and to subscribe to the podcast feeds, go to our website at www.dotnetrocks.com. Got a transmitter band.